no no shaving each other's bits and booty holes <laughs> no butthole shaving <laughs> get out of my booty hole <laughs> Yeah, it's your turn. Welcome to episode 114 of I'm Sorry, What the Podcast. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. Don't you, that's a fucking Amanda. Don't you say it. That's Amanda. I wasn't going to say it. I was going to tell you good job, but I'm glad that you got defensive about it. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you start to talk. I'm like, nope, it's not. No. (laughs) Zip. (laughs) Zip it. Zip it good. Austin Powers. Okay. <laughs> How was your week? Um, it's been good. I wasn't home. I just got home last night at like 10:45 um after being gone since Wednesday, so which is like 5 days, so I'm like very worn out. I'm ready to just like take a real good snooze cuz this morning I woke up early. So <laughs> I'm like I'm just tired. But I'm good. It was a good time. Made some good money. Good. Yeah. How are how are you? <laughs> uh I'm all right. I got diagnosed with like, well, they didn't oh. diagnose the moment we start recording. My fucking dog oh. fucking clover. Um no, I had to go get a biopsy in my mouth. And they had like 12 stitches. And then they came back and they're like, yeah, you have your other autoimmune condition that you've already been diagnosed with, but you might have these other four or the one you have is just presenting as these other four. Either way, you have all these symptoms and you now have ulcers developing in your throat and the back of your mouth. So, Clover agrees um, that it's bullshit. So it's been real fun dealing mm. with that. Good. And then my parents left to go visit my sister. So it's just me and the dogs alone in the house. And I've never been so aware of how many sounds a house makes when I'm the only one in it. <laughs> I suppose you haven't like just like, I mean, I don't want to say you haven't, but for a prolonged amount of time been just like by yourself. in a No, house. and it's nice. I mean, alone, I like it's real nice just being by myself for a little bit but just at the, being alone just but, me. At, but at the same time as a 32 year old woman alone in a house just despite the fact that I ordered food when the delivery person knocked on the door I nearly shit my pants because <laughs> what if it's a murderer and I'm aware in my brain that a murderer wouldn't knock. likely isn't gonna <laughs> knock but you don't know like it could still happen so then I, i'm like i ordered the food and i also specifically put on the DoorDash to text me when you're here you didn't text me you fucking knocked why are you knocking on the door <laughs> seems like an overreaction and then i as just as i was getting settled down my brother stops by and he cannot knock like a normal person he knocks like it's the swat team about to about to fucking kick down the door I don't bam, know bam, bam. ramming the gate to basically just steal my popcorn and drink for the road but calm the fuck down sir so this whole week i'm gonna just be a jumpy basket case i'm gonna have to medicate myself so i can sleep at night <laughs> dude did i tell you the results of my food sensitivity test no are you like a nervous are you allergic to like everything 
So it wasn't an allergy test. It's just a sensitivity because I'm like trying to figure out my my gut and my head because things trigger my brain to melt down and me to shut down as a human. And so I, <laughs> I have high sensitivity to rye, gluten, eggs, both yolks and whites, mm-hmm. um, wheat, dairy milk, like just dairy in general, cow's milk, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's the other one that I was like, shit. And this is all stuff that they use to brew the beer that I like. Mm-hmm. This is bullshit. Yeah. This is and bullshit. Cheese? What am I supposed to, what am Did I you supposed see that to eat? Cheese TikTok I sent you. Yes. Did, was that not funny? <laughs> it made me well, think of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, what am I supposed to eat for breakfast? I can't have eggs. I can't have toast. I can't have cereal. I can't have cheeses. I can't have dairy products. Well, you do I eat vegetables? You have to do it in like. No, I just have to like not, or else I bubble up and my guts like protruding because it's all girly and my head hurts when I eat cheeses. That's the one that triggers my migraines, and so and it's mostly just hard cheeses. So like cheddar and stuff the ones that you actually slice off of the brick my favorite's gouda i do love gouda i love just cheese in general but look there's nigel with (laughs) the fun okay cheese dude brie has been all over my tiktok recently why go figure out if there's a robber clover shut your goddamn cake hole excuse me I'll be here. I just shut the door, so if it is a robber, he probably got scared. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not fucking with her. Shut the fuck up, slam! All right. He's <laughs> probably like, okay, I'm gonna leave now. Oh, he's like but, he's like right now digging through the fridge for something and he like why would a robber be digging through the listen, fridge <laughs> listen what if he's of hungry all things of maybe, all things that a robber comes in to find he's not like hey let's go see if they got a pop for me what if it's an inconvenient robber where he's just stealing things that's going to inconvenience me like all your toilet paper and your milk yeah. <laughs> all the battery is out of all the remotes <laughs> Just yep. take, leave everything but like the last square of cheese and the last piece of meat just the butt Un- ends of the bread you know <laughs> unplug the battery from your fire or your smoke detector so that yeah. it starts doing the little beep yes beep if i was a yeah. robber i'd be that if i was a robber i'd be rich or <laughs> fair enough <laughs> uh, all right you- did you uh, find a story for me this week? Or? Yes, I am Dan. Sweet. Let's hear it. What's you your ready? dog? I discovered this one when I found my other stalking story. So this one's a stalking story too. Okay. But it's also got a bit of everything. You know, you just gotta. I should whole say mixed things. bag of nuts. I shouldn't say things like that when I tell you what the story is. So anyway, uh, <laughs> April 1984. Dude, okay. Stop already. Collaborate and listen. Is yes. Ice back with a brand new invention? Something. You're holding me tight. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I. that's how I started my bullets this week, too. I was like, here's the year. Where we are. Set the scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. 
So I just, when you said it, I was like, 1984. (laughs) Uh, 22-year-old Laura, Laura, what am I? Laura. Canadian, Laura. Laura Black began working as an electrical engineer at Electromagnetic Systems Laboratory, or ESL, which is a high-tech defense contractor located in Sunnyvale, California. Within a couple of weeks, she had been introduced to 40-year-old Richard Farley, who described himself as immediately smitten and later said that he instantly fell in love with Laura. Wow. Strong words. Laura had no interest in a man twice her age. Fair. And who, frankly, when I'm looking up pictures of him, could only be described as dumpy. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Dumpy. (laughs) I apologize. He's a very dumpy looking man. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair. So despite her being very clear that she was like, no, thank you, sir. Please exit the premises. Uh, that did not stop his obsession. He started with leaving gifts on her desk, cards, and handmade bread. <laughs> I couldn't eat that. No, 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 thank you. No, thank you. Uh, is this gluten-free, mad I ask? Yeasty. Smells <laughs> yeasty. Oh, uh, yeah, laugh now. Uh, he began calling <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) He began calling her desk uh, multiple times a day to check what she was doing. My job, dude. Bye. Hello? What are you doing? Fucking working here. Thanks. Click. (laughs) That's how those conversations went, by the way. (laughs) Direct reenactment. (laughs) Fucking working here. Thanks. You really are Um, Canadian today. (laughs) (laughs) Lara. Flara. Um, (laughs) So... He somehow managed to gain access to her personal information through HR. So whether he broke in or sweet talked someone in HR. So then he had her address and home phone number and began driving by her house and calling and leaving her messages. This was in the early 80s. So there were no stalking laws. Um, At some point, he befriended the custodian and copied Black's desk keys so he could access her personal belongings and go through her desk because he wanted to get to know her better. <laughs> oh my okay. I I feel bad laughing because I'm sure this like takes a really deep bad turn, but don't do that. Hey, stop. So with each step that he basically intensified his stalking behavior, he felt like their relationship was growing. I think I've officially decided that I keep giggling because I'm nervous for where this is going because just now I was like (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared okay um the stalking behavior lasted for over four years he wrote over 200 letters and she showed up at her house so frequently that she had to move like several times and he kept getting her new address and showing up at her new house dude so about a, a year in um, in 1985, Black, who was like just fucking fed up with his stalking, mm-hmm. reported him to HR and was like, bitch, do something. Right. Like this is more than just him being infatuated at work. Like he's there. It's scary. Right. Uh, there were no stalking laws at this point, like I had said, and he had not made any threats. So there was literally like nothing the police could do. So that her only recourse was going to HR. Mm-hmm. 
Um, their response was to order Farley to attend psychological counseling, which he did. But throughout that time, his stalking of Black continued and only escalated. Mm. So in 1986, uh, another year, so we're into year two now, okay. due to Farley threatening his colleagues and his work performance taking a downfall, ESL fired him in May. So he was fired from the job. Okay. But basically... It gave him more time, so his stalking just intensified even more. He was eventually Ugh. hired back at ESL's um, like competitor, so he he did get another job, but it basically like just elevated his stalking even more. Well, now he doesn't have access to actually seeing her every day at work, right? Too, so it makes the outside of work stuff more intense. I'm sure, right? So. And at this point, he would take like any negative response or ignoring him as like basically accepting his offers. So he called her and left her repeated messages asking her for a date. And when he received no response back, since she didn't say no, he showed up at her house prepared for a date. When she told him he had to leave, he took this as her playing around with him and his heart. Like playing hard to get? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Another time, Laura was notified that multiple code combinations had been entered into her garage door opener. I don't know how she got notified of that, but it was determined that it had been done over a number of hours. So I don't know if like the her security system or something mm-hmm. notified her or whatever. That's my guess. But basically over a number of hours, he just stood outside her garage and just kept trying different combinations, trying to get into her house dude yuck yes um so when she found out oh and then he decided he was going to try and rent the like townhouse next to her because it came up for rent so as soon as she found that out she moved again (laughs) yeah yeah makes sense so at this point in his life richard farley had lost his house to foreclosure was being investigated for unpaid taxes by the irs uh, but even like during all of that, he still never let up on his stalking of Laura Black. Like, wow. I wrote like, dude, you got bigger problems at this point. Right. <laughs> Get off my dick, my guy. Like, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. It's so scary. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Okay. Like how fixated your life is literally crumbling around you and you're still stalking this person. It's creepy. Gross. In January of 1988, so like you into year three, uh, Black received a package on her car windshield from Farley and it contained a copy of her house keys and like a note, which basically indicated like that he was coming into, he wanted to be in her house. Right. It's like I have mm-hmm. the access if I wanted to. Right. So this was like very terrifying to Laura Black. And it was clear that there was a three, a clear threat. I couldn't find what any of his notes said, but basically it said that there was a clear threat implied with the note and the keys mm-hmm. and how far he was willing to go to get her. So she filed for a temporary restraining order on February 2nd, 1988. Okay. And she had enough stuff to be able to get a temporary yeah. restraining order. Okay. Right. Cause at this point she's got all of it documented how many like all of the things so he filed for she filed for a temporary restraining order which was granted by a family court judge and then to make the restraining order permanent they have to set a court date Mm -hmm. and so that was set for february 17th however on february 9th he purchased a shotgun and ammunition no i knew it was gonna get there at some point 
So the restraining order did not prevent him from buying weapons, basically because he had a prior history of owning weapons, including two revolvers and another shotgun and rifle. So he just was able to walk into a store and buy. Right. Well, and if if he has the temporary restraining order and it hasn't mm-hmm. like officially become a permanent one, that wouldn't necessarily be something that comes up on a background check. Right. If they were to do that anyway. So after buying the guns, he went to Laura, Laura's, I'm sorry, there's a lady at work named Lara. So that's why I keep reading it as Lara. Lara. He went to Laura's lawyer's office with Al- allegations that they had had a long romantic relationship and presented items that included photographs that showing black and farley on dates but they were like crudely photoshopped (laughs) nice fucking try guy Uh, a garage door opener that belonged to laura black a motel and and motel and credit card receipts uh farley also claimed that black kept a stash of cocaine that they shared (laughs) dude okay black's attorney basically was like yeah you're a fucking liar get out of my office wow Uh, So on the day before the court date, February 16th, 1988, Farley drove his motor home to the ESL parking lot in Sunnyvale, California. At about 3 p.m., he loaded his guns, which were a 12-gauge Benelli Riot semi-automatic shotgun, a Ruger M77, a 22-250 rifle with a scope, a Mossberg 12-gauge pump-action shotgun, a Sentinel 22 WMR revolver, a Smith and Wesson 357 Magnum revolver and a Browning VDA 380 ACP pistol. Can I just say this seems like overkill? Is this is a lot of fucking like That's a- heavy duty, like a 357 Magnum? Yeah, alone is. <laughs> yeah, it just it's what? a big ass gun. Okay. Um, he had a foot long buck knife and a smoke bomb, and, a, and put on a bulletproof vest, earplugs, and leather gloves. Ugh. This is going to be so bad. Okay. Carrying over 1,000 rounds of ammunition with him, he approached the building while basically just shooting bystanders as he was walking into the building. 1,000 rounds? Mm-hmm. Dude, how is he walking? I know. That's with all of those guns. But. whatever. Okay. Okay. So he was shooting people on his way in? Just popping them as they went in. He walked in the building dude uh several employees worked okay so i'm sorry i skipped so we entered a side door by shooting through the glass and shot at employees just kind of randomly that he encountered while basically just heading directly towards black's office so any, anyone that he saw that was in his way he just pow. um several employees were killed by his shots as he made his way through the building uh he arrived at black's office she opened her door or and then like saw that he was standing there with a whole bunch of weapons and basically just slammed it in his face she's like oh shit no Um, bye he fired a shotgun round through the door which hit her in the left shoulder and basically immediately collapsed along um the injury basically put her unconscious on the floor and whether he thought she was dead already or what he just walked away so it was either intentionally just leaving her to bleed out or he thought he killed her already okay because she literally he shot through the door went through her side collapsed her lung in it and she immediately passed out so probably by the time he opened the door she was dead on the ground or passed out on the ground in a pool of blood not moving right and he's like so he either thought he had killed her or just intended to leave her to bleed out okay so he moved on through the building making his way through the building 
Um, so Farley then held a police SWAT team at bay for five hours by moving from room to room, randomly shooting out the windows and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't get a target on him. But meanwhile, uh, Laura Black regained consciousness and managed to prevent her wound from bleeding further while she and other survivors basically like went into a room and hid from him. So she made it to other survivors and was hiding in like a conference room. Okay. Um, they eventually escaped. So I think he was so focused on like the SWAT team outside mm-hmm. that they were able to make their way out of the building and escape. Well, that's good. So um, Farley eventually after like a s- five or eight, five to six hour standoff surrendered to the police after requesting a sandwich and a soft drink. Well, he got a little hungry. He bought all those guns and all that ammo and forgot snacks. I'm just saying it takes a lot of calories to haul all that shit around. I know. And you didn't even think to bring a snack. You're a dumbass. Not even a power bar. So this could have ended way worse. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. awful because seven people were killed by Farley. Yeah. So it was 46-year-old Lawrence J. Kane, 23-year-old Wayne Buddy Williams Jr., uh, 36-year-old Ronald G. Doney, 43-year-old Joseph Lawrence Silva, 27-year-old Glenda Moritz, 26-year-old Ronald Stephen Reed, and 49-year-old Helen Lamparter. Um, and then four more were wounded, Laura Black, Gregory Scott, Richard Townsley, and Patty Marcotte. But he had only fired 98 rounds of the 1,000 that he brought in. He didn't even fire a whole tenth of what he brought. Right. So it could have ended a lot right. worse, I guess. Um, the next day, the court commissioner... Uh, made a restraining order against Farley permanent and commented that pieces of paper do not stop bullets. It's true. Um, Black survived, but was hospitalized for 19 days. um, And she continued to work for the same company. Farley wrote her and continued to write her from his prison cell, claiming that she had finally won. So even in jail, he was still obsessed to get letters to her. (sighs) So during trial, Farley admitted to the killings, but pled not guilty, claiming that he never planned to kill, but only wished to get Black's attention or commit suicide in front of her for rejecting him. His attorney claimed that Farley was never a violent man and only had his judgment temporarily clouded by his obsession with Black and that he would likely never kill again. Prior to the shooting, Farley did not have any criminal record. Temporarily clouded for multiple years being obsessed. Mm -hmm. I didn't... I didn't want to kill her. I just wanted to like get her attention and kill myself. Okay, so then why did you shoot through her door instead of just like opening and shoot the door all and the people on the way in? Right. Mm-hmm. And then just do it. Okay. That's bullshit. I call bullshit. And I hate the. It was clouded by black. His obsession with it was almost like he was blaming Laura. It's like it's Laura's the one who made him obsessed. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you're right. He has no control over himself. So the prosecution, who was able to document every step of the stalking that Laura had saved, basically, was able to produce all the letters he sent and documented his shotgun and ammunition purchases a week before his rampage, as well as his other weapons. All of this amounted to extensive planning, which was evidence of premeditation. On October 21st, 1991, he was found guilty of all seven counts of first-degree murder. And on January 7th, 1992, Superior Court Judge Joseph Biafor sentenced Charlie Farley to death. Because of California law, there were several automatic appeals. 
But on July 2nd, 2009, the California Supreme Court upheld his death sentence. And as of 2020, he is still on death row in San Quentin prison. Mm-hmm. And he probably won't get... He won't be put to sleep because... Put to sleep. Put to sleep <laughs> like a dog. Because the dog that he is. California um, has that stay put in place right now. Yeah. Um, but due to this stalking case and the following murder of actress Rebecca Schaefer, uh, California passed the first ever anti-stalking law in America. And I feel like the Rebecca Schaefer case gets like a lot more recognition for that because mm-hmm. she was famous. Right. But this happened actually before that. And it was kind of like the starting off, like, hey, maybe people can't stalk other people. Hey, maybe we should be aware of this and how it can turn out and not just be like, it's just, they just like you. Yeah. It's like, oh. Okay, I'm going to go make sure someone's not actually in my house. Okay. One second. Good luck. Hear me scream. Call 911. I'll, I'll, I'll call information and find the correct place. Now they're stuck in here. Anyway, so that was my story. That was good. Thank you. I'm uh, very like, keep hearing kids yelling and I think it's outside. Um, I'm very freaked out by stalker stories. Mm -hmm. They just, uh, mm, no thanks. I don't like it. No thank you. So now I'm all like, creeped out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why do i feel like somebody's watching me i totally sang that when i was doing my overnights to them and they're like i've never heard that song (laughs) i was like that's it's fine you're fine it's fine all right are you ready i'm ready i'm gonna tell you the story this better not be a b and e no okay (laughs) why would it be a b and e why would it be a bacon and eggs I don't know, some kind of breaking entry story where the people get murdered. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you the story of the mashed potato murderer. Yeah, you. Shit. All right. Uh, Enlighten me. <laughs> um, so, 2013. Double, dun, dun, north, dun. double. North South Wales. It's like Dubbo or Dubbo. It's D-U-B-B-O. Dubbo? Dubbo, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, we're just traveling. Traveling today. So 24-year-old Sarah Tarrant, Tarrant, excuse me, I forgot the T at the end. Tarrant and 33-year-old. Say it. Say it. She's 24. He's 33. Alois Rez were together. They had been together for like almost 10 years, which means that they met when Sarah was 15 and he was 24. Let's just keep that in mind. Um, I say that's weird, sketchy little. I don't uh, like that. That's grooming. Now, Um, if he was 34 and she was 28 or 20, I mean, now she's 24 and he's 33. So if they were to meet now, if they were to meet now, that's fine. You're both adults. But when he's 24 and she's 15, that's gross. You see the difference? Do you see it? You spy it with your little eye. It's a big old uh, minor issue. It's a minor issue. It's a minor issue. (laughs) Okay. So Sarah's parents didn't approve, obviously. Um, Most likely, or mostly it was her mother because her dad wasn't really in the picture. And I put, oh, there's the daddy issues (laughs) because you'll see later in the story. So eventually after 
a lot of disagreements and arguments with her mother, Sarah ended up just running away and living with Alois. Okay. Um, Not okay, Alois. but okay. Right. This is what happened, though. Uh, two years after that, when she was 17, Sarah was pregnant and had their first child. Um, and after that, they had a total of four. So they had three more kids after that. Okay. By the time she was 24. Uh, the relationship seemed to be going well, but Alois is, he was part of this motorcycle gang. It was called the Rebel Outlaw Motorcycle Gang. Okay. Okay. Um, very violent gang, apparently, in Australia. And uh, he wanted to leave in order to, like, make sure his family was safe and not part of that whole mm-hmm. situation. But it was definitely one of those things where it was like, if you leave, you usually don't make you don't, it. You can't just leave. <laughs> you can't just decide to go. It's not just a, hey, you're done thing. But he he left anyway. But at this point, when they, when he left, they just started moving all over the place. Okay. Okay. They just so didn't they stay lived, in one place for long. Yep. Yep. So they moved everywhere. And then within, by like the 2012 or so, they moved to, because uh, they started in Newcastle. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's when they moved to Dubo. Dubo, Dubo. I, all of these things. I'm so good at this. Um. Anyway, they also lived with, a Lois's mother okay so they have the mm-hmm. three adults and then the four kids that are okay. all traveling around when they first moved to Newcastle in June of 2012 um they moved in with Raymond Roth okay he was a family friend he was in his mid-50s and he was a friend with Z- I think it's Zanya is his mom's name I have it written later in the story but he was friends with A Lois's mom okay um So they moved in with him. He offered it up. He was actually looking forward to the company because a couple of years before this, his wife had died of cancer. And so he was kind of having an issue with the loneliness of being by himself for the first time in a very long time. Okay. Uh, They found a house not long after moving in with him and staying with him for a little bit. And they moved out and they stayed really close with Raymond uh he would come over watch the kids uh help they were trying to redo the house so help around the house uh and he became super close with Sarah they became like best friends Mm -hmm. okay once they were settled in this house A. Lewis started spending a lot of a lot of time with his old friend Hamish Lowe okay so we're adding another human into this so many (laughs) names but I I know uh this is it's like this is a so very dramatic, like spilling the tea kind of story. I love it. Okay. Anyway, so Hamish was in a bad place financially. So they offered him to come move in with them and his young son. This sounds like it's like building a weird orgy. <laughs> so let's let's just like break this down. Now in this house they just moved into that they are trying to renovate and fix up. Mm-hmm. There are like eight to nine people because I couldn't tell if Hamish's son lived with him full-time or if he was like five kids and five adults yeah four adults because Raymond didn't move with them Raymond just comes over to help and is around the family a lot oh okay um but he I mean he might as well live there it seems like from what all the stories were saying okay but that can you imagine that's just so many people okay anyway I don't like it I don't like people so he offers 
him up to stay and they become really good friends again him and hamish like like really like no no not like that no 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 they just were they reconnected and really like like bffs they're just bffs and you gotta think like alois didn't really have a lot of friend friends because he was just in that gang where it was like that were those were the people that he spent time with and they're not friends you know uh hamish described alois as a teddy bear with a rough exterior but that wasn't hard to see past and from the pictures he does look like a very like rough guy Mm -hmm. um but when he's like in the pictures where he's smiling and stuff he definitely looks sweet like he has his moments where you can see that he's just like a nice guy ish nice ish being the keyword um sarah began feeling unhappy in their relationship uh she said that he was becoming lazy and controlling and abusive physically so sarah started talking to raymond about all these issues because he was like a mentor to her you know Mm -hmm. uh started talking to him and then he kind of returned it as talking about how he was having such a hard time being by himself with his wife dead and you know all that jazz they kind of just found solace in talking to each other they basically told each other everything and guess what they started banging feelings started to grow we'll say oh she started banging the old dude so they started getting more flirty sarah would say sexual uh little comments to him mind you they're 27 years difference between these two old saggy balls You, you know just for like he could be her dad and not like a young dad like a like her late grandpa. 20s late 20s he had a kid listen okay so got a five-year <laughs> plan what is it don't die <laughs> and then i write and then and then i wrote then whoopsie do sarah started sending raymond dirty pictures oh <laughs> um nudes hey send nudes <laughs> send nudes <laughs> like noodles noodles i want noodles thank you thank you goodbye so obviously this is spiraling into more things than just talking and they began a sexual relationship in march of 2013 so about a year or so after they moved starts riding that grandpa dick yeah um they would literally meet up like at least once a day it said to just bang outside of the house outside Um, the house they went outside of the neighborhood let's say that most of the time it was under a bridge <laughs> like trolls <laughs> i bumping uglies uh so they were not it was not a like and it was more than just a physical thing because they had had that emotional connection it was and like stuff, a grandda- so. grandpa and a granddaughter <laughs> oh stop that oh, You're making yeah. it even worse than it it's is so gross um sarah became infatuated like obsessed with raymond uh, confessing immense feelings for him and how he had found helped her find a reason to live and how she could see them getting married in the future. Uh, and it seemed that the feelings were reciprocated according to responses that they found where he was he would talk about how he would take such good care of her and her kids and all you know, all that stuff that shouldn't be happening because you're with someone and you know, 
I'm really grossed out right now. I don't condone the way that Alios was, but also this isn't okay either. But there was one thing in the way of them being together. Alios. <laughs> no way. What? <laughs> so in May, right? Shocker. <laughs> so in May of 2013, Sarah found out that she was pregnant again. And this time she was basically guaranteeing that it was Raymond's and not <laughs> Alios's. Um, yeah. So she told Raymond that she was pregnant and he just goes, okay, so you have three weeks to either leave him and come live with me and we'll raise this kid together. Cause I can't watch someone else raising my child and, or I'm done and I need to just not be in your life and see it basically is what he said. So she obviously wanted to be with Raymond. She had said it multiple times. Um, Elios was suspicious of them. He's like, you guys are just like way too close, spend way too much time together. It's just, you know, you can tell. And and so he confronted her one night and said, like, I know you're cheating. I know that you're doing that. And this turned into a big blowout fight into a physical altercation and he was like pulling her around the house by her hair oh, no. and like a full fight and at some point domestic dispute <laughs> and at some point she was able to get to her phone and she texted Raymond and was like call 911 send them to my house basically so Raymond calls 911 sends them to her house and when they get there She's like, oh, no, we're, we're good. We're good. Sorry to waste your time and sent them off. So Raymond's a, a little frustrated at this point because he's mm-hmm. like, this was a perfect way to like get him out of there, like make it kind of a legit, hey, he needs to go and not, you know, and so he reminds her like, hey, you, I, the three weeks are ticking at three week mark. I'm done or <laughs> we're like together. And and Raymond said, well, I have a plan. Oh, no, Raymond. Okay. And then hands her a bag. In this bag was a bunch of sleeping pills that were crushed into a powder that he had gotten from when his wife passed away. She was using sleeping pills when she was, you know, very sick. Mm-hmm. Um, <gasps> and he, yeah. <laughs> you just got he, why it's called this now. Yeah. <laughs> And he told her that Zanya, the mom, was going to be gone starting June 25th for like a a week because him and her were friends. So they chatted about that, that she was going to be gone for like a week. So this would be a perfect opportunity to maybe just get rid of Elios, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So give him the sleeping pills until he's knocked out. This is what he told her according to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And once he is knocked out, let me know. I'll come and do the rest. Okay. Okay. So the night that Zanya had left, Sarah offered to cook dinner with a side of mashed potatoes, heavy on the sleeping pills is what I wrote. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave him the drug food, drugged food and he just like ate all of it. Like there was no oh. food left. So it was a lot of sleeping pills because it was like a full bottle of sleeping pills worth crushed up. Oh no. Um, so he she sits there and waits and he begins to get kind of drowsy and out of it, but he's like fighting sleep. Mm-hmm. 
so he almost gets like loopy and almost high Mm -hmm. um she says and while waiting sarah texts raymond talking about how how she's sick of waiting and nothing can stop what's going to happen tonight and these are all in text like histories that they find later no uh hamish comes home with his son at this time too (gasps) and he notices how out of it alios is and he's like dude are you okay did you take any drugs like what's going on because he was just not himself Mm -hmm. and alios told him maybe he took too much too many of his painkillers because he was on painkillers for a neck injury okay it's like so i'm just I mean, maybe I did that because I do feel kind of weird. I'm just going to go lay down, sleep it off. They said goodnight. And that was the last time that Hamish saw his best friend alive. Oh, I know. Heartbreaking. I hate it. Um, And anyway, so while this was happening, Raymond was messaging Sarah too, reminding her to keep the door unlocked, turn off the security cameras. Because remember, he was like nervous about that motorcycle Mm -hmm. game. So he had like security measures so that he would know if anybody was on the property. Make sure that you turned off the motion sensor light in the front Mm -hmm. so that we don't like wake anybody up. And she told him everything was good, including leaving towels on the bed where Alios was sleeping in order to be able to clean things up if need be. (gasps) Yeah, gross. So Sarah told Raymond it was time that he was out and like knocked out it was about 2 a.m he came in walked straight to alios's room where he was sleeping and in some way it's still unknown to this day he killed him they don't know what happened they don't know because they've never found a body um yeah there's a whole bunch of just bits and pieces i don't even know how i found this thing it was one of those weird things that popped up Mm -hmm. when i was like odd cases um he was wrapped in the sheets after he had killed him somehow. And then he carried him to his car. Um, Sarah was standing watch the whole time, making sure that no one was walking around the house. Cause remember they have another adult and multiple children. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Sarah noticed that it was taking quite a while outside that um, Raymond was not like coming back in right away. And so, and so she like, he actually came in at one point and asked her to come help him get him off the ground and into the car because he could scoop him up off the bed, but he couldn't get him off of the ground to get him into the car. Mm-hmm. So she went out and helped move Alios too into the trunk of his vehicle. Oh, no. um, Hamish said that at some point that night, he did wake up to Sarah being in his doorway of his room. And he was like, what do you want? And then she just walked away. And he was like, okay, that was fucking weird. And went back to sleep. Cause like, mm-hmm. there was nothing other than just, she was standing there. So maybe she was walking past, who knows? Anyway, so she went out, helped him in the car. Raymond drives away. Alios, he took Alios's phone and his like tobacco, I think is what they said. Cause there were two things that he always carried with him whenever he left the house. Cause they were like, well, maybe it will make it look like he just left and never came back. Mm-hmm. So he took those with him and Raymond drives away. He disposes of the body in an unknown location. Uh, again, like I said, they haven't found the body. Raymond has never admitted guilt, hasn't given any information Mm. um during the investigation they did look at cctv from that night and the next day and he was in like multiple towns for hours 
and obviously the whole thing isn't like there's not a hundred percent on the cctv right but on all of those cameras that they looked at none of them showed him stopping and pulling the body out so they have no idea where he would be weird Um, yeah i know isn't it (laughs) kind of creepy anyway so the next day sarah goes and gets bedding since they wrapped his body up in the bedding and took Mm -hmm. him out um and then just goes about her business like a normal day just regular old stuff um it said that it wasn't super weird for alios to not be around for a couple days at a time i don't know if it was something to do with work or what if he would go and visit people i don't know Mm -hmm. what it was but they said it wasn't weird so nobody for the first like two three days were nobody was really like red flag something's weird but by day five um and when zanya got back his mom they were kind of like hey um something's weird Hamish started texting him like dude just let me know you're okay if you don't want me to say where you are I won't say where you are I just want to know that you're like good Mm -hmm. Uh, so as soon as Zanya and other friends were talking about going to the police because they were starting to get concerned uh, Sarah and Raymond went purposely before they did to report it so that they could lay the groundwork of what they wanted the story to be Um, and they did like throughout this time like text and talk about what their story was going to be tried to like figure out the answers to all the questions that they could you're ask so and fucking dumb you left it all yeah. on tech oh you're so fucking dumb dude i know i was like they looked at the text log and they're just like okay so this is open and shut <laughs> shit so uh like i said five days after he had disappeared they go to the police um they were asked about Alios as a person when they went to the police to report it and Sarah said you know he was talking about how he was having issues with this motorcycle gang he was in and how recently in the last couple weeks he's been getting some threats like messages and calls and stuff um and so she was nervous that it had something to do with that this is what she told the police at least Mm -hmm. um this was plausible to the police they were like I mean we know this gang this is kind of their mo they'll stalk and kill somebody if they think they have too much information right but they also thought it didn't really line up with the fact that it's been multiple years since he was part of the gang he's 400 miles away Mm -hmm. and they haven't had any contact with him for those years why now would they feel the need to like track him down since he obviously hasn't said anything right to threaten him and kill him um also he never went to the police about threats in Debeau when when he was in Newcastle when he was having issues with threats from the gang and they kept finding where they were um he was going to the police and reporting it so the fact that he didn't report it makes it a little less likely that that's what was happening Mm -hmm. uh also in what would in what world would no one see or hear anything if a motorcycle gang came in the middle of the night and abducted somebody out of a house full of people right so it's one of those things where it's like okay it's plausible but not like really (laughs) see and I was thinking about it more like he's getting all these threats he's fighting with his chick I'm just gonna duck out this time and not bring my whole family with Mm -hmm. as opposed to the game coming in and abducting him right well and that's where they were um the thought was 
at least be behind Raymond and Sarah's stuff. This is what Sarah said was, we'll have him take his stuff like he was leaving for the day and maybe something happened outside of the house mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, but the police officers went to the house to just take a look. They gave them permission to walk in and do a cursory glance at the house and they found his wallet. So they didn't take his wallet. They took his phone. So obviously he didn't necessarily leave like he was leaving on his own. Um, Sometimes when I'm, like it's, this is one of those ones where it's like the stupid two what is that meme where it's like you fucking dumbass like yeah. I just I get so frustrated like if you're gonna be like this awful person and commit the crime you could at least do it well you could at least like, try like I feel a like a little they didn't... fucking effort into it but the worst is is they did try and this is the this is what this they is... got no you it was stupid. I just stupid so at first, Sarah, Raymond, and Hamish were the people of interest, obviously, because they're the adults in the house. Mm -hmm. They were the last people to see him. And all were questioned and all said they knew nothing. I know nothing. This is this is what I know that happened that night. Mm -hmm. um, but police didn't fi did find out about the affair. Mm. So now... Now there's motive. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone the two of them had officially moved to suspect territory rather than just person of interest territory. And Hamish is just like, I mean, I was in the house, but I don't, he has no reason. Mm -hmm. uh, so Sarah and Raymond were brought back for a second round of questioning. Um, this time their phones were also seized. They got, they got a warrant to seize it and search it. <laughs> so all of this from everything that I read, all of this stuff kind of went bang, 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 bang. Like right. as soon as they found that, everything kind of just like snowball, snowball effect real fast. Um, so they searched their phones and they were sending search team and forensic search team to the house at the same time as them getting questioned. Um, <laughs> they knew the cameras had been turned off, so they didn't they had to physically look in the driveway for any sort of evidence because they're mm -hmm. like clearly something happened out here because the cameras were turned off and they found blood in the cracks between the sidewalk so they had that sent dna matched to alios this is when they knew most likely that alios hadn't just left or been abducted he most likely had been hurt and or killed in the house mm -hmm. or around the house at this time too like all within this week of everything a fisherman just fishing spotted a bed sheet in the river and he's like well that's fucking weird so he called the police right away because that's obviously not supposed to be there something's mm -hmm. up with that and on this bed sheet there were dog hairs the dog hairs matched raymond ross roff's dog um so that gave them enough to get a search warrant for raymond's car now mm -hmm. So they searched Raymond's car, found a lot of Alios's blood, like a lot, no hiding it, no washing it out. Um, and they also found an empty sleeping pill container with his wife's name on it. Weird. <laughs> What's so fucking dumb about this whole thing is all she had to do when she called the police is say, he's abusing me. Yeah. And it would have been over and done with. She could have yeah. moved out with the kids, moved into Raymond's house. Yeah. No, and that's, and this isn't even like counting the evidence from the texts. This is just physical evidence they're finding at the scenes. Um, the two in question were getting questioned at the same time, obviously. And Raymond denied knowing anything, not being there. Everything was not him. He wasn't there. Well, but the shaggy Sarah, defense. 
Yeah. It wasn't much. me. It wasn't me. You I saw you banging the on the shower. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. It was you gaslighting. Hi. Um. <laughs> so obviously he's denying things, but Sarah starts talking because there's no hiding it. They have the text. She's just mm-hmm. like, clearly, you know what's going on. They're basically just like, so did you give him the sleeping pills? And she just sang like a bird, told them everything. She's like, you know, so here it is. Here's what here's what happened. Uh-huh. But past drugging him and the texts. <clears throat> so past drugging him and texting Raymond to come over, she said she knew nothing else of what happened. She's like, I wasn't in the room when Raymond did whatever he did. I wasn't whatever. Um and they asked her, like, why did you drug him? Well, I never expected Raymond to actually hurt him. I just wanted him to scare him. So you drugged him until he was unconscious? Yeah. Stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> so fucking dumb. I know. I can't even. You're so fucking dumb. So now the two were contradicting each other on top of everything else. So the police had enough to just, like straight up arrest them for murder you're both fucking dumb we're arresting you thank you yeah exactly so the trial starts and the court believed that sarah didn't physically kill alios um but she had been a part of the planner and basically knew everything orchestrated the whole thing yeah uh so just you know just as guilty and involved as raymond just not physically wielding the weapon raymond roth was found guilty of premeditated murder and given 32 years with a minimum of 24 years because it's australia it's a different system than ours Mm -hmm. so um but he later appealed and got a lesser sentence of 25 years with a minimum of 18 okay um sarah was also found guilty of manslaughter on the grounds of being mentally unstable so basically she got an insanity plea so girls always get off lighter than guys sorry it's so dumb (laughs) it pisses me off because i'm just like bitches be fucking manipulative they sorry they cray bitches be crazy uh so she was sentenced for to 10 years with a minimum well 10 years and eight months excuse me with a minimum of eight years and then that also was reduced Mm -hmm. to eight years with a minimum of five so she's been i think last year she was up for her first like parole meeting obviously didn't get out but ugh so Sarah had her and Raymond's child, because remember, she's pregnant at this point, mm-hmm. in custody, and the child is being raised by her mother now, and Alios's body has never been found, and they know nothing because Raymond still to this day will not give any information about anything and denies he has anything to do with the case. He really, he's holding strong to that shaggy defense. Dude, what do you Wasn't said? me. <laughs> dumpy let me just show you this guy all right oh because he's also dumpy um mashed potato murderer (laughs) you just look like a lumpy pile of mashed potatoes i wish (laughs) or is that an insult to mashed potatoes might be let me just pull up an image where are you where are you raymond he's not even like a young 50s oh <laughs> oh that's what she was banging outside her house huh and this is what she looked like really yeah i mean she's like a solid six i know well she's and she's and she's got tits 24 
Well, yeah. 25 maybe at that time. So but... at 25 with tits, solid eight, probably. Put a little makeup on her and you could get right up into the eight. And... There. and she's banging dumpy Grandpa McGee. Come on now. Have a and little bit of some standards. Alios. See, he's 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 all right. Listen, there, there's some pictures where I think, here we go. Here's one that I looked at and I was like, he's cute. Way better than Dumpy McGee. Yeah. So that's the story of the mashed potatoes murderer. Um, there's do a with case that what you will. <laughs> that's like so similar, but it's it happened in like out west. I have to mm-hmm. find it and tell it next time. Deal. It's literally got the motorcycle gang, but it's the Hell's Angels. Like it's everything. <laughs> it's the same, except it's not mashed potatoes, but it's like very, very similar. It's like a mirror. And I remember crime. watching it and I gotta find it now. Cause I'd keep I kept thinking it was this case, but I'm like, that didn't happen in Wales. It didn't happen and then, in Wales. And then when you said that they didn't find the body, I was like, no, they they did. <laughs> they did find that's not how it happened. So then I was like, okay, I gotta find this case now. Dude, I just the the drama <laughs> and the like twist oh what a web we weave kind of story that was <laughs> it was good i think we have two Thank good you. stories this week yes yeah, solid. solid i agree oh all right bitches i got nothing and i'm hungry now yeah me too so... i gotta go start some fajitas from vajitas and by started i mean just cutting up the vegetables because i'm not gonna cook it now it's a little early <laughs> it's 5:45 here it's 4:45 here weird weird (laughs) all right thanks for listening guys spread the word and spread your goddamn selves but don't shave each other's booty holes yeah don't do that that's i mean unless you're into that kind of thing it's fine like do what you will if you like it make sure it's willing (laughs) don't forcibly shave anyone's booty hole (laughs) bend over bitch (laughs) can i help you ma'am look at look at her look at her look at her hold on can i help you what do you need hi you haven't talked to me for a minute and you just yelled at me when you came out here what can i do for you your breath smells like ball sacks ow okay hello (laughs) all right punched you (laughs) well see you later Bye. bye